We're joined by Kate O'Connell, Fianna Gael TD, representing Dublin Bay South, Labour Senator Aon O'Reardon, a former junior minister in the last government, and Stephen O'Brien, political editor of the Sunday Times. You're all very welcome in this morning. Let's look at the headlines in today's paper. The Sunday Times goes with NAMA calls for Garda probe of Kushnan. It also has IOC has a month to reply to Rio touting inquiry. Below the fold, it goes with let's uh, let first time buyers use rental history in mortgage applications. Uh, the Sunday Business Post has a NAMA, the same NAMA story, uh, saying that state probe on cards into NAMA's 1.6 million Northern loan sale and two sub points to that. Shane Ross, NAMA has serious questions to answer and Mial Martin, Project Eagle deal stinks to high heaven. Below the fold they have ASTI ban teachers from preparing junior students for Irish and uh, a sidebar story, Hickey preparing to step back into IOC role. I wonder about that one and the uh, Sunday Independent goes I'll rain hell on this government an exclusive John Halligan throws government into crisis as FG says comments unacceptable and a sidebar story there has RT staff warning, warned of cuts as 20 million losses uh, loom and in the tabloids we have parties over for uh, rip off Karen Shores and the Sunday World that's in the mail on Sunday and the Sunday World has gun run picture exclusive the moment Kinahan's uh, cartel tried to take out the monk's big brother plenty of stories but I suppose as two papers have the same uh, story on their front page and as if you're breaking it Stephen we'll start with that story about NAMA and is there a state inquiry looming there's a Garda one you say on the way yeah we are, I'm, I'm writing about a, a Garda inquiry which uh, NAMA um, viewed the spotlight programme on BBC Northern Ireland last week uh, which had the rather sensational uh, element of a, a, an accordi- a, a recording of a meeting between uh, John Cushnahan, who was a member of the advisory board of NAMA and a, a Northern Ireland businessman, uh, and a man called uh, Miskelly. And uh, John, uh, it, it allegedly uh, features, sorry, Frank Cushnahan, it allegedly features Mr. Cushnahan um, appearing to seek a, a sweetener or a bribe of 40,000 uh, sterling. Um, now, NAMA viewed this. Uh, they and, and, and this recording is a long time back now. It's, it's this happened in, old. In, in, uh, allegedly happened in August 2012. Uh, it was just broadcast in the past week. Um, uh, NAMA executives viewed it, consulted with their legal people and took the view that under the Criminal Justice Act, uh, they were obliged to report it to the Guard. They, they also reported it to the uh, National Crime Agency, which is which is uh, uh, Britain's equivalent of, of our um, what we call our fraud squad, our National Bureau of Fraud Investigation. Uh, and they have reported um, specifically the, that they think that the, there are a number of sections of the of um, uh, corruption legislation uh, that they believe that uh, Mr. Kushnahan uh, may have breached. Um, uh, the um, the the Prevention of Corruption Acts they did they they date from eighteen eighty nine to two thousand and one. Uh, 
Interest, interestingly, uh, and it may be a, a sort of a kind of slightly technical point, but there's a, a greater onus of proof on the defendant if you are charged under the sections that they point, because uh, basically, if, if it can be proven that uh, under under that legislation that Mr. Cushnahan did receive uh, a, a gift of money or or, a, or some other advantage, that the onus then is upon him to prove that it wasn't uh, a corrupt gift. So, so we now have mm-hmm. two kind of police investigations, one here, one in Northern Ireland, and uh, I suppose, you know, it's, people be wondering, can you remind people of Project Eagle? What is that? And, well, know? Project Eagle was uh, essentially the sale of... Uh, the NAMA's Northern Ireland loan book. NAMA found that NAMA was set up to uh, sell off uh, billions in distressed loans from um, the Irish banks uh, and uh, it parceled it parceled these loans. Uh, there were some of them were, were actually weren't hugely distressed. I mean, there were loans in London that yeah. were, were quite valuable when when the world economy started to recover. Uh, um, there were loans in the States, there were loans in the Republic, but they, they parceled them together in different parcels and Project Eagle was essentially uh, the Northern Ireland parcel. Um, Valued at 1.6 billion, roughly. Uh, yeah, the, the 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 I think the the distressed va- uh, uh, yeah the distressed value was one point six but it's it's all for one point six billion yeah uh, but the the book value was was a far higher yeah. uh, and interestingly now we have we understand now that the uh, finance minister Michael Noonan will bring uh, a report to cabinet on Wednesday from the controller and auditor general who's the spending watchdog uh, in the republic mm. and he has studied. Uh, the deal, the Project Eagle deal and he said while he can't be definitive it is likely that the taxpayer lost hundreds of millions uh, in the sale of Project Eagle in the way it was done which was basically a very narrow uh, list of preferred bidders there were, were, I think it came down to to, uh, to a couple of preferred bidders and then one of the preferred bidders was excluded uh, because of uh, involvement with Mr. Kushnahan um, and in fact there was only one bitter at the end of the day. NAMA judged that the price was fair um, or reasonable, uh, but the Controller and Auditor General has raised doubts over that, and the pressure is building uh, hugely across the political spectrum yeah. for a f- full sworn public inquiry into it, a well, judge-led well, inquiry. Well, well Kate, Mick uh, Wallace has been raising this in the Dáil for some time, and people are accusing him of using privilege to name certain parties that we're seeing in the papers now. What, what would you like to see happen about it? Definitely. I mean, there's questions to be answered. Um, When you have a body, I suppose, charged with getting money back for the Irish people Mm. and we have to take their role very seriously. I would always be very concerned when I hear things like there was only one bidder left in the end. It doesn't seem like the right way to get the right price for something. So I do uh, personally, I think that we are heading perhaps towards some sort of inquiry into it, but that's up to the Minister for Finance. Yeah, but wouldn't you say now the cynical say Michal Martin says it stinks to I, Evan, and you have Shane Ross at Cabinet kind of saying uh, questions to answer. You know, it's inevitable, really. It is probably. I mean, I don't know if it's inevitable. I I would. I think it's it's probably the way to go. I mean, it's a massive value there. I mean, if the distressed value is one point six billion, I mean, what do what could we even imagine the real value? Is and if there's a ma- massive gap there between the 1.6 billion distressed amount and whatever it could have been, that's a loss to the Irish people. And I, I feel that um, if they were given the task to, to get as much mo- money back for the people of Ireland, they didn't do it right. Well, someone has to, to answer. Hasn't that been part of the problem with NAMA from its infancy, uh, really? Um, that's mm. uh, 
secrecy, kind of transparency was always an issue? I think I think so. Um, I know the freedom of information legislation that we brought in the last one <coughs> included NAMA, but I think this, this issue has been rumbling along for a long time in the background. It's going to have to come to a head. And you say yourself, oh, and I mean, on the front page of Sunday Business Post, Shane Ross is quoted saying that NAMA's serious questions answered. Michael Martin is saying Project Eagle deal stinks to high heaven. So you'd imagine that given the new nature of the dull arithmetic that a private member's motion put down by the opposition, be it from Fianna Fáil or from ourselves and Labour, would force the government to act because such a motion would probably be, be won. Um, so when you have rumblings from within Cabinet and rumblings from outside in the main opposition party, you'd imagine that this is going to have to come to a head. So as the political season really kicks in, we have the political parties back meeting again this week, Fine Gael, ourselves as well, that sh- this will probably come to a head and the decision will be made by the Minister for well, Finance. What kind of a, an inquiry would you like to see? In it? Well, this is always yeah, a, a, a bone of contention here. You know? It, you, know, you know, what, what inquiry would, would be, do you have a, a sworn uh, you know, statutory inquiry, do you have a, a tribunal type thing, which I think the public are pretty much against now, something that would rumble on forever. They've, something seen, that would seen, be, they've seen and paid for enough of that. Yeah, I mean, we would have liked, I suppose, five years ago when we were starting off on government we, we like the international model of, of a rock to style inquiries that was done in by people, the referendum the people results. voted on that yeah they did so I don't know something that's swift and, and comes to a comes to a clear conclusion in a, in a reasonable amount of time whatever way that that, that can be done um, but I think John Fleming, the, the chairman of the PAC, is actually striking a different note from his party leader in the in the business post today, and he's saying that uh, he he thinks it should go to the Public Accounts Committee first, uh, and we know they have certain powers of compelability. I think the PAC have a level of credibility actually that that might be a good fit, but <coughs> we'll, we'll see. Well, well, of course, Sean has a vested interest in that now, hasn't he? Well, he's the chairman yeah, of the PSC. Exactly. <laughs> in that sense, yeah. Well, um, you know, but, you so know, he's not kind of as independent as, you know, well, I, but there's also the party. The, there's also a logical line of, of uh, or a sequence that could be followed here because the controller and auditor general who has completed this report that goes to, minister, goes to cabinet on Wednesday uh, is also, has, is, is, Linked by the constitution to the to the public accounts committee, and and b- basically they th- that committee exists to follow on from the work by the CNAG. So there is a logical sequence there that they would pick up where he has left off. Kate, would bring you have in a preference parties. of what kind of a, an inquiry? Um, well. As Aidan said, I mean, the whole people are sick of tribunals and we have the history of long-winded and expensive tribunals once it's quick and efficient. I mean, there's no need for this to drag out. And if the if the PAC is the way, I mean, it, I mean, the doll represents the people and perhaps it is the best way to do it. But personally, I'm not sure as to which is the, the mm. most, that's the the most is, ideal. is chaired by a member of the opposition, so yeah. that might, might, might help. Yeah, but did you uh, see some kind of barriers to a proper inquiry in this? Because there will be all sorts of confidentiality arrangements in place here for people with bids they're very very contentious and they are always legal up very very quickly yeah I, I think I think there may be a challenge to the PSC the problem with the PSC sometimes is that it has been let just a certain element of show trialing going on that it, it is very much in the public eye and politicians are, are, are quite dramatic when they want to be so um, it, it it's it's an option for government, but certainly something is going to have to yeah. be said. But nevertheless, you'd have to say that the PSA in the la- time of the last government was seen kind of welcomed by the public. And they saw that it was okay. There was it a bit of showboating going on. It teetered on the edge though the yeah. odd time. I accept but, that, but and there are court cases to do with. But, so, but, with but, that's but still some on. of the teeterers are now in court cabinet, so that might change yeah, things. Well, exactly. <laughs> but but in fairness, of all the preferences that are being put up there, it would seem you know at the moment that the public's faith in the PSA is probably greater than that uh, of a. Tra- 
tribunal. But I, I think uh, the government are going to have to make a statement on this pretty pretty soon. I'd imagine this week. I mean, Fianna Fáil have their or Fianna Gael have their get together this week. Mm. I'd imagine, you know, Pascal Donoghue and, and certainly Michael, uh, Michael Newland will be under pressure to to react. That's to get together in Newbridge starting tomorrow, Kate. We'll come back to that later yes. on. I believe you're. You have a little job to do there. I as do well. have to do all that this evening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, f- finish your PowerPoint presentation. This Actually, you could have shared some of that with us, but we'll come to that a bit la- later on in the programme. But anyway, while well, here, a former teacher, Aon, I yep. see the ASTI are uh, banning a uh, teacher for preparing junior cert students for Gaeilge. Maybe we'll be carting a show you on a cart, yeah. Yeah, but we'll continue on as <laughs> for the time being of this. What do you make of this? It's more the industrial unrest. It's the next, next, I suppose, crowd. Well, this is it. Stepping I into mean, the line. Once um, you have an improvement in the economy, what sometimes comes with that is a level of industrial unrest. We have obviously the the Dublin strike, the Dublin bus uh, driver strike at the moment. You have rumblings in the guards. You certainly have rumblings, rumblings in the uh, in the health service as well, and the teachers. Uh, are having their ongoing dispute really about junior cert Irish. So there's there's various different things happening in the teaching profession. There's different discussions going on about new entrants and how their pay levels are different and that needs to be restored. And I think there's been some some uh, work being done on that. But certainly this is an ongoing well, row. But you would say now that there's certain sympathy as of now with the bus, dri- bus drivers, yeah. but there will be no sympathy, I would suggest, for, well, for the, the teachers the, in this. The issue Particularly here, parents that no, have students in school or doing their junior cert this and year. And there's issues within schools of principals who have teachers uh, who are members of different unions. Yeah. So the TUI have one view on, on the junior cert reform the ACI have a different one to be honest my view uh, in terms of junior cert reform is that what was tried to be achieved was to change the pressure that was on students at 15-16 years of age that a state exam at that age wasn't, wasn't necessary that if you're assessing your students in first year, second year and fifth year that you can do it in third year but anyway uh, Irish language is, is, is the next one up that's, that, that's for uh, you know uh, for change, if you like, in the junior cert, and it's going to be a tough one, um, I suppose, to get to, for, for government to get their heads around. But I have to say, uh, when it comes to education reform, it can be very, very difficult because there's so many stakeholders uh, and people. And, and according to Michael Brennan, the stakeholders are slightly <laughs> shifting. I mean, as you mentioned already, there's this is with the ASTI and some deserters. Uh, already happening there and they're shifting across to the TUI mm. and, the, and that means that they will get their kind of back pay if that's well, there's a the sense right I terminology. There's a sense that the TUI are possibly being a little bit more pragmatic with this. I, mean, I don't really want to be to engage in inter uh, Well, the TUI have accepted the Lansdowne Road Agreement have, and that's, yeah, that's yeah, the crux of this yeah. matter. The I mean, ASTI haven't. I, I think that the teachers definitely have have things that need to be addressed certainly on the pay scale level I think they took an awful lot of pain over the course of the of the um, recession and certainly teachers have kept the show on the road for young people in terms of you know um, driving them through education and and having a safe space for them to be when sometimes things are crumbling all around their young lives but when it comes to junior cert I have to say that I think the reforms are reasonable It's an extra, an extra uh, hour in a 33 hour week and a lot to ask What did, ha- did happen was that you know government's last government moved back from from the position John, John Sullivan led the, you know, the, the government into a situation where we moved much closer to where the teachers wanted us to be um, or what, what wants the situation to be so I just say public sympathy 
will it will it go with the with the ACI on this one? I don't know. That's that, that's. I suppose the, the uh, I suppose the difficulty for the STI is that people are only interested in education when you have children in education. This, yeah. You know, well, Stephen, what do you think of it? Well, I have story? Ch- I have children in education. So you're interested. <laughs> I am. Well, I am. Uh, I, I, when I heard this headline on this morning before I read it, the story, I thought it was affecting the leaving cert, and I was concerned because I have a young man uh, heading into his leaving cert this year who has a, a very good competency in Irish far better than his father's uh, and he is a veteran of several Gaeltacht summers uh, so if he was to lose 40% uh, or the chance to get 40% of his marks from an oral uh, that would concern me Uh, it doesn't affect him it's a junior cert issue it's to do with the new curriculum I have a a young woman in second year and the junior cert looms for her uh, in whatever it is 18, 20 months away But the the ask is not unreasonable that if you've been assessing those students as Aegon said for the last two or three years that you continue on into the junior search surely I, I would agree. I would agree. I, I, I think. I mean, clearly, uh, Aon said that that, that the, the the teachers have, you know, that they've lost income and they they suffered uh, loss of pension rights and and you know the take home suffered in the in the in the years of the crisis. But, but they're I not think, on their I own think, now. Well, exactly. I think you'll struggle to find a sector, and I think perhaps they should. Of course, they must represent their own members, but they must also look around them and see what other what other uh, uh, sectors and other uh, mm. groups have su- have suffered. Uh, and I, there is a process. It's worked. Croke Park, Haddington Road, Lansdowne Road, and even if you don't like Lansdowne Road, there's now a process to, to that bringing us and bringing the public sector workers out of Lansdowne Road. Okay, it's a difficult one for the, the ministers. Well, it's all difficult, I suppose. I mean, the people have been all oh, the, the bus drivers, the nurses, the teachers. Everyone massive cuts between pension levies, um, USC. No more than people in the private sector. Everyone's been hit, and I think it's only natural that. You know the bus drivers are driving around looking at lots of one six one d cars. I mean they can see it probably more than anyone else improvements in the economy, so it's only normal that that people would ten years i mean ten years is a long time to have no pay rise um and they've had some pension cuts and and all of that so it, it's only natural um but we have a a mechanism there for these things to be hammered out, and um people are fully within their rights to to exercise that and i mean I imagine being a bus driver is a very tough job and no more than being a Lewis driver I'm more being a school teacher since my I've only one now in school and um, I have a great respect for teachers I go off in the morning I leave 20 I think it's 29 six year olds with a teacher and I just go that was me I'd run out the back door (laughs) I I just give up so I mean I have a lot of respect for them and there's a lot of work happens after hours and you know it mightn't sound much saying one hour on 33 but then if you give into one hour and 33 well then what's two hours and 33 so you can kind of see where they're coming from Aon do you see it do you see this coming to head or do you see a resolution I I think part of the problem that we had I mean we uh, from the Labour Party perspective we had 14 years of policy documents that we wanted to (laughs) wanted to put into 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 affecting governments in a five year period under Rory Quinn and I think what happened maybe we underestimated the fact that the goodwill factor which all schools run on a goodwill factor goodwill factor from, from teachers as a, as a profession at that stage was probably on the floor from as Kate has described the various different pay cuts and pension levies and 
And what they were trying to deal with was we had a very enthusiastic minister who was trying to bring all, all these reforms when, you know, the, the, the pay had been cut and the, and the morale was, was being affected. So now, um, but this isn't, this isn't industrial disputes that, that centres around pay or, or yeah. centres around, I suppose, conditions. And I think what teachers are looking at is that essential breach between what they see is the relationship they have with their students, that they have a sacred bond between themselves and their students and the state exams gives them sort of that, that buffer zone, if you like, of somebody else's assessment the students but I think most people would agree at this stage that the junior cert comes from the intercert, which was a state exam for people who were leaving school at 15, 16 years of age people don't leave school at 15, 16 years, years of age anymore they don't go into the workforce saying here's my junior cert anymore uh, and the idea that they would need to have that stress on them uh, at that age no longer exists. So, so we can take it that the Labour Party wants the ASTI to revisit this and look well, again at this particular uh, element, going to, this, because this, it's not yeah. peer related. Well, there's going to be a resolution at some stage. I feel that, in fairness, when Janet Sullivan was Minister of Education, she, she walked back a, 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 a lot. That I think that that move by her, I thought at the time, had been taken in good faith. Uh, this is rumbling on. Um, I, I think... Uh, you know, having this level of dis- uh, disruption in school is not going to be good. And particularly when some teachers, as you say, are moving from one union to another, the ACR may have to bite the bullet on this one at some stage because movement has been made on the other side. So I think maybe they have to realise that, you know, at some stage they have to come to a conclusion that yeah, things have moved on. We're reviewing the Sunday papers with Kate O'Connell, Eleanor Reardon and Stephen O'Brien. A small little test for you all now. You were there reading the papers. Who said this? I'll bring hell down on this government <laughs> and <I'd, laughs> if they don't deliver this. I'm angry with Fingale in total. That's you, Kate, now. That's in total. You're captured in there. I don't want to bring down the government, but if that's what has to take, I will do it. Uh, so, who said that, Kate? Simon Coveney. No, 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 no overnight stay in a hotel for you. I was going to get back, so that was available. There'd be a Waterford link, I wonder. Well, yeah. Stephen, what do you think? I see John you've, you've wasted a rainforest John writing DC about maybe. this. Well. Yes, well, the, 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 I think everybody, there's the, a lot of rainforest. For the listeners, that, that was John Halligan's quotes. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing as none of them got it. A lot of rainforests have fallen this week to, uh, with the coverage of the issues around uh, University Hospital Waterford and the second cath lab uh, which uh, John Halligan uh, I guess stitched in as his primary price for going into government uh, in May when he when he voted for the Taoiseach um, yeah the, the John Halligan has been uh, everywhere this week there are there is uh, some some spectacular coverage and some spectacular quotes from him in in some papers this weekend some more sober and serious analysis of of uh, what he's why, wh- whether he's going to leave You're or pointing stay to your own article um, so. of course yeah, of course <laughs> um John, I mean, John has, is, is uh, I think everybody in, in politics regards John as, as, as a, a very likeable uh, and um, clubbable guy, uh, passionate about his constituency and about the people he represents. Um, but John has been a pain in the neck for Fine Gael in particular in this government since it, since the get-go. Uh, he has wobbled about whether he could support it on uh, Irish water, on abortion, on the Apple 13 billion euro uh, tax ruling and now ironically, uh, now when, when it, it maybe is important for him to make noise and to threaten to leave uh, uh, over an issue that is of, of core to his constituency, which is this issue about Waterford, the University Hospital, Waterford. Um, 
it's starting to sound a little bit, a little bit like the boy who cried wolf. Uh, you know, you can only threaten to leave for so often. Um, uh, in, in, in today's newspapers, uh, in, in, in two of them, uh, he, he, in, in the Sunday Times, he's, he's actually telling us that he is going to stay in for now, uh, because largely because his constituency got 600 texts last week and only five of them said he should leave. The consultants in Waterford uh, Hospital are telling him to stay. The campaigners for the second cat lab are telling him to stay. Uh, but in other newspapers, he's saying, I'll bring down this government if I have to. The problem is John can't actually bring down the government on his own. Yeah. Uh, if he leaves, the government will be down to a bare minimum, uh, the bare minimum 58 votes that it needs to survive. Which is uh, what Fianna Fáil said, they, if they fell below, they would withdraw their support. Yes, yeah. I mean, the, fifth, the magic number 58 exists because if Fianna Fáil abstain on an issue in the Dáil, they've said they won't vote against this government on a budgetary issue and they won't vote against it on, on confidence motions in ministers or the Taoiseach. Uh, that they will, if they abstain on an issue and if Fine Gael has 58 votes, that's enough to survive if Fianna Fáil is abstaining. Um, but of course, there are other independents who can be courted, yeah, we'll to that recruited, tacked on. Case, you were saying you had sympathy for teacher trying to manage 29 six-year-olds. Have you any sympathy for the teacher having to manage four, five I have great sympathy for him. Actually. I wouldn't have the patience, I have to say myself. Um, I mean, look... Resources are very scarce in the HSC and if you have a situation where an independent assessment is carried out of somewhere and that independent expert finds that there is no need for what John Halligan wanted for the second cath lab and I understand that in the report there's an extension of hours within the existing cath lab and also um, more resources towards staffing. So, so the independent expert has said there's no need for this. So therefore, in my view, there is no need for it. We cannot take an expert's advice and then go, ask for it and then go, don't mind that, we know better. And that is one of the issues, I think, that's, that, that suppose affected the HSE because of the amount of political decisions that are made or have been made in the past with the HSE that you see in Fianna Fáil's time in government in that extended period of government they commissioned over 200 reports into what's going wrong in the HSE and my view would be and I'm on the health committee and on the future health committee is when they got those reports it was I suppose not overly political, p- politically positive to implement some of the findings and until such time as we take politics and political decisions out of the HSC and out of health in Ireland, we will see resources being allocated in the wrong places and the people who need do you care believe, the most do you believe not getting it. will get a bounce out from, kind of, not in Waterford I'll accept, but nationwide to say look, this is not on. To actually standing up to John Halligan? Well I'd hope so and I, I mean people out there can see it as well as I can or people within Fine Gael can see it. I mean simple fact is John Halligan was looking for something for Waterford Hospital which clearly um, it doesn't merit it and if that's the case um, well sure look he can't have it and he'd want to get on as far as I'm concerned he has a job dealing with his uh, Minister for State for Health or for Education and Skills and um, I'd like to see him kind of doing a bit in that department and maybe leaving Waterford to the side for the minute becoming yeah, a, he's in government. What do you make of this, the comments you saw in the paper today? Does it, sound like, does it sound like a man who doesn't want to do it? Well I think they sound like somebody who's not in government and when you're in government it's a serious responsibility as Kate says he's a junior minister he has a responsibility in the department he has civil servants who are working with him to try and achieve something and I, I don't I haven't heard 
an announcement from him in the area which he has responsibility for. I mean, look, we were in government with Fine Gael for, for five years. We had weekly parliamentary par- party meetings where some of the things, we've said very, very strong things about Fine Gael and what they were doing in government, what we're trying to achieve. But what came first and foremost was government stability and and doing an awful lot of your rowing behind closed doors. So this kind of stuff and this, speaking with yourself in the third person and, and, and the quotes that come that are in the Sunday Independent today, are really ill-advised and I, I get the sense and even the fact that he he uses terminology like dealing with the government he is the government he is a member of government and I get this from, from other members of the Independent Alliance as well they have to realise that they, they are the government and that they have a responsibility which is bigger than themselves and their responsibility to the country and you know uh, I get the feeling that perhaps Fine Gael would probably be quite happy to see him walk because if he walks over this then there will be some sympathy for him locally, but not for a, a huge amount of sympathy wider. But if he walks over the budget, well, that could have what, much bigger implications for the for the for the government. And I get the sense also that the people within the Independent Alliance are getting a bit tired of him as well. Well, before you think that there's no sympathy for John Halligan, dear John Waterford telling us that before we start on John Halligan, I bet most of the panel are Dublin-based. Well, two possibly are not the third man. Uh, this is not a local issue it's a South East issue no cardiology services uh, there after hours or at the weekends stop suggesting it's a small rural issue I don't think they did that uh, in fairness to our panel uh, where are all the other TDs uh, they're keeping their heads down but, but, we all, but we all work on I mean I work on local and national issues all the time I know Kate does everybody in the Oireachtas does right there's a balance to be struck there and that's fine but what I'm saying is that this is the government minister this is the minister of state Um when you're, you know, when you're in the media all the time about something that directly affects your constituency, well, that's you know, you, it seems to me that he's not taking his other responsibility very seriously. It's a hugely destabilizing effect, and it's, it seems to be to be that this is dominating body politic at the moment. When really there's a huge amount of other challenges that he should be addressing. I believe he's in charge of school transport, which I'm quite sure affects you know the south, the southeast as well. Um, I get the sense of of of, of tedium from within government, both parts of government, if, if I might say so, with, with John Halligan. Stephen, what's I'll your political it. sense in Well, this? I mean, Waterford has a case. Mm. Waterford has a case to make. I mean, what is he L- not? L- Limerick, did... Limerick Regional Hospital got its second cat lab without a clinical review, mm. that, like, a, a la Dr. Herity. Uh, I think Galway University But Hospital in fairness to Dr. Herity now, didn't he uh, recommend an, uh, an increase in the services that were He has about? recommended, A, that they, he says, for, for a start, he says they, they haven't enough... Uh, Staff, as in cardiac consultants, mm. to staff the unit they have. He also recommends that they get a, an extra. Uh, I, I think it's well. It certainly boils down to eight hours, which doesn't sound like a lot. But if you if you f- staff up what they have and then give them an extra consultant on top of that, it would certainly maximise. Is the that not a political win for John Halligan then to be able to go back to his people? It's certainly something he could sell. Uh, I mean, the argument in Waterford is that the, you know that they're being denied this second unit because if they get it they'll take business and I mean saving people's lives isn't business but mm-hmm. they'll take business away from Cork University Hospital and to a lesser extent maybe from Vincent's and even Talla in South Dublin there may be a case to be made there I think Professor Herity went down because not only is he a very eminent cardiologist, he also is a man who who decides how the cardi how the cake is carved up in Northern Ireland and in Belfast in particular. He has a lot, of, a lot of expertise, and in that's the hat he wore. I, yeah. I I don't think he was influenced by a letter from the HSE before he started his report. I think he, he genuinely he certainly stacked up very well in a radio interview early uh, at late last week when he when he went on to explain. So his look, report. just look look at two political scenarios: John Halligan stays 
Does they have trouble at budget time? John Halligan goes, who's going to replace him? So let's say he stays. What well, about budget? If he stays, uh, as I said, if, if he were to withdraw his vote around budget time, they still have, um, Fine Gael still has the bare minimum among the, independ- the independents it has. Uh, to but won't we have more of this Halligan's ball stepping in and stepping out again going on? Well, um, I, I think well, the people watch, you know. I, you know, I think I think John has made some strategic mistakes along the way. I think he has overexposed himself in the media. I think he has gone out too often on. on Wasn't his initial mistake was, uh, you know, uh, leaving it to a report that had a clinical outcome rather than a political outcome. When he did the deal, day one, showed yeah. a lot of political naiveness, inexperience. Yeah, well, part. I suppose, I mean, I, I don't think he had a, too many options there, to be honest with you. I, I think the government, uh, Leo Varadkar had walked away from this issue during the formation of government's talk saying, I'm not going to, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to politically direct any service anywhere. It has to stack up on a medical basis. Um, Simon Coveney, Michael Noonan and others, I think, uh, came in to close the deal afterwards, but they couldn't, you know, override that sort of stipulation that Leo Varadkar So he goes Kate who do you want who are you eyeing up Ash look there's loads of them there yeah. Been some crack yeah. few of them but there has to be I, one I or two I see I see I see a whole party over here that I'm <laughs> going to introduce you to in a minute but in the meantime let's go individuals Oh look there's great people in there I don't think we're going to be stuck do you know yeah. we don't think we're going to be stuck to get somebody in I well mean, you're I, not stuck because you have Lowry and that just gives you the one oh but geez, one is not, think, not a great I cover think, you know I know I mean there are there are people there but I mean look let's see how this plays out I mean John came in came in initially and I don't I mean despite all that he's saying in the paper I don't think he's going to go over it but we can't have this going going on and on and on but, every but, contentious issue that John Halligan but isn't has it going to be very hard for you as a party to kind of sit down talk to him after what he said in the paper some of those quotes oh, were very very close to the bone yeah no no I, I would find it if I was Enda Kenny going into a meeting with him I'd find it very difficult but I mean I might have less patience than Enda Kenny I think I'd be saying there's the door closed so what about, you know. what about Stephen Donnelly now? He's looking for a new new camp. Okay. Well, would you, would you be talking to him? <laughs> Jeez, well, Wicklow's fairly full. I mean, you know, we could move him somewhere else maybe. we send him off down to Tipperary or somewhere, over to Longford maybe. So no, no overtures at the moment, yes? <laughs> no, not that I'm aware of. I'm sure it'll be the talk How of about thinking. the Labour Party as a group? Would you first of all would you take Stephen, <laughs> and secondly would you move to government? Um, uh, I'll take the second part of that question first. <laughs> uh, no, we're 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 very much um, we we very much got a very a very clear message from from the electorate as to as to their. Um, but are their you happy about us. the services in Waterford? Well, it's interesting that sometimes what happens in in like constituency TDs hate independence and particularly hate independence being involved in, in government because. Everything good that happens in the constituency, the independent gets all the credit for it. So whoever the, the water deputy is uh, from Fine Gael, uh, John DC, DC I think, yeah. yes. uh, I'm quite sure is sitting fuming watching all this go on because uh, John Halligan's getting all this lovely media for himself. And if um, if he, he gets the the services in in, in the well, hospital, he's already he gets, got an improvement. Yeah, yeah, he, he gets the he gets the all the credit for it. Whereas John DC is a is a government supporter and, and all the rest of it. So it's interesting what what Kate just said there about Stephen Donnelly being a Wicklow. If Stephen Donnelly was to come in, well, he'd have to get some kind of a deal. And there's a number of deputies in Wicklow, so there's always a local issue uh, reason as to why tensions arise. Having said all that, this is a government, and. I don't think John Halligan is behaving like a government minister. But uh, on the other hand, what the political reality is that nobody wants an election. And this stitch of government element uh, is there purely to prevent 
an election which Fianna Fáil don't want an election and I don't think many people in, in, in Leinster House want an election so it'll rumble on but the bigger test will be the budget because it's already been spent about three or four times already by different demands from within and outside government so when that'll be the biggest test uh, of the government when the budget comes and we'll, we'll see how that plays it, out Is there disquiet in the party you know that independents are kind of yielding this kind of clout over decision making and I suppose time as well Yeah there's chat about it but I mean we're not back yet so I mean the, the chat really hasn't taken off yet but, um, about Will it take it. off in you I'd more? imagine so I'd imagine it'll be it'll be uh, on everyone's lips that that conversation I mean it is very irritating and like that for me just looking at it as a backbencher it's, you've got a junior minister job but you just get on with it and do what you're supposed to do in your job and just leave your, your local issues mm. at home Can I agree with Kate there because Everybody in the House would give their eye to to be a junior minister. And you know, to have that opportunity to work in the department, to deliver something for your country, it's, it's, it's a huge ambition. Uh, obviously, getting into cabinet is, is the next ambition. But everybody wants to be a junior mm. minister. So when you have that responsibility and to be sucked into a row over this issue, um, to me, it's, it's, it's extremely disappointing. But it's, it's Fine Gael's problem. It's not Stephen ours. Hottel, Stephen Donnelly do. I'm not sure Stephen Donnelly will do anything in particular. Um, a few articles saying he's go, he should go to Labour. Uh, he's of, of that ilk, social yeah, democracy, not a million I'm, miles away you know, from. Perhaps, perhaps there's a. <laughs> if you're looking at where there's a vacancy, perhaps <laughs> Labour have a vacancy in Wicklow. I don't know as I, what Anne Ferris thinks of that. I think Labour has vacancies in lots of places actually after the last general election. Um, I, I suspect Stephen won't go anywhere in a hurry. I don't actually think he'll end up as the, 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 the new spare wheel uh, for this government. Uh, I think if they could pick and choose, I think someone like Noel Grealish in Galway West would be far more to their liking uh, because if they managed to satisfy Noel to the extent that he would uh, support the government on day one, I think he would then stay with them and stay the course. Uh, it would be a less complicated relationship than they have with, perhaps with some of the independents uh, that support them at the moment. Um, there's the other intriguing prospect that the independent alliance might recruit some of them themselves. Uh, they have been talking to Matty McGrath, uh, the, um, the, the uh, colourful uh, Tipperary deputy. Uh, and if they say and he has a hospital in his own backyard, Clamell Hospital. He has indeed, and he has another independent in his own backyard, yeah, Deputy Lowry. Yes. So that could be a uh, this could be an, a very interesting dynamic if, if, if he came in through the Independent Alliance back door and ended up supporting this government. Um, so call it, will he go or will he stay this week, for this week? Anyway? This week, I, be another think, no, John Halli- I, I think John Hannigan will stay this week. I think he'll stay for, for, a, for a number of weeks and beyond that. I, I couldn't really predict where, where it'll go. I do think uh, it'll, it, you know, it may well be the, the uh, Waterford Hospital uh, issue that... that uh, decides where he goes ultimately and I, I don't think he's going to get enough from his perspective uh, to keep him on board in terms of Waterford Hospital OK, we leave it at that we're reviewing the Sunday papers with Kate O'Connell Eleanor Reardon and Stephen O'Brien and I'm reading in the Sunday papers that Kate, you'll only be given 10 minutes to explain to your party tomorrow at their thinking oh, in the Hotel Kadeen 10 minutes to explain to everyone what went wrong at the election and they say that's not enough. So we've what about fifteen minutes left here now? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do a quick dry run here? <laughs> well, I suppose we get it in in fifteen minutes. Uh, there's plenty of time. I mean, 
Look, we were at the, after the election. Obviously, Fine Gael, despite the fact that we we got the most seats, I mean, we we felt that we lost the election, and we wondered how it all went so badly. And Tisha asked a few of us to volunteer, and six of us volunteered, and we sort of it was unusual. We set about gathering information but we didn't really know where we were going at the end of it because obviously when you're when you're going around the country I think people I suppose they're influenced by the media politics is a very emotional thing and if you've been involved in it you can be very hurt after a campaign um, but we decided anyway to head out and we divided up the country and we did online surveys people wrote to us emails face to face all of that and what would the quantum be? Was there a lot? About 400 slightly north of 400 Were you disappointed with that? No I felt that was fairly representative I mean I, f- I felt it's all we could achieve I mean we had no resources and there was only six of us and there's a lot of people to speak to but for us the focus was not to be on you know, elected people. It was more to be on the people that these stalwarts sit down in constituencies that may never seek office either within the party or or, or publicly, but people that are the working door on their, exactly the real people, and to listen to them because a we knew that they were very annoyed and very upset by the election, but b well we didn't really know this heading out. I mean, I thought we were going to go out and people were going to eat the heads off us, but as it hap- as it turned out. The vast majority of people sat down, engaged with us and gave us good feedback. So what happened then was we came back and we had thousands of pages of of information. But what was very clear was that there was common, I suppose, very much common groupings of ideas. So we started shoving things into groups. We analysed the stuff with all the data, with a a SWOT analysis. And um, out of that we categorised key recommendations for the future. So it was Before you fo- come to revealing those, on a minute, Stephen, you're writing about <laughs> this as well. Yes. Um, yeah, well, uh, Fine Gael were reeling back in March yeah. um, when uh, the, the outcome of the, or in February at the outcome of this election um, and they, they, I mean, they went from 76 seats in that extraordinary election of 2011 to, to, to 50 seats. So it was a shock. It was a real shock to the system. There were alarming signs in the course of the election that things were not going well for them. They had this famous slogan, keep the recovery going, uh, which seemed to be uh, die uh, like uh, go down like a lead balloon once you passed the red cow uh, interchange. Um, so they, they, they were, the the question then was, I mean, partly I think this process was partly to, uh, if you like, delay the anger and the revolt from from the, the party organisation and to sort of convince people, look, we are going to look at this, see what went wrong. Um, the process started off the, the, initially we were told that the, the Marion Coy the president right. former president of Galway Mayo Institute of Technology was going to chair this body with, with, including the TDs and that they were going to bring a, bring a, a single report back but I think it then it, it seemed that the, 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 the TDs including Kate were uh, involved in one organisation one process So we have two the, reports the, now we? We, we have two reports that I think are going to be stapled together yeah. um, but or have been stapled together but they won't be presented uh, to the organisation, certainly the, the full document won't go to the organisation. And tomorrow. that has led to now, as dramatic <coughs> as the quotes by John Halligan, it has led by ministers not named saying that the Taoiseach and his officials are control freaks. The fact that they won't relieve, uh, release that, that's according to uh, according to Philip Ryan in today's Sunday Independent. Yeah, and, and the, the, there, there is also a sense that that the two reports may say quite different things. I mean, uh, Kate, in fairness, had had access to a certain group of people. The TDs, the directors of constituencies, you know, grassroots mm. level, if you like, candidates who won and candidates who lost. Whereas Marion Coy seemed to talk to the 
the elite level, the leaders the, of the election well, campaign, the, the leaders of the party. planned the campaign. Indeed, in indeed. And so the, 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 so they're trying to dovetail those two. Did you speak to those people <coughs> as no, well, Kate? No, no. no. We, we had a few at meetings with Marion Coy at the start. But the director of elections and those, did you speak no, to those? No, she was going that direction. Okay. So she was, well, it wouldn't really be, wouldn't serve, I suppose, that I would interview, let's say, the director of Phoenix, like Tom Kern or something like mm. that, because I'd, you know, obviously have a relationship with them through through campaigns. So it was felt that if she went that direction towards people in headquarters and strategists and that sort of at the higher levels and I think she interviewed well, Have you any sense of what's in her report now that before it gets stapled together? I haven't seen her report um, and I haven't spoken to her Have since you seen it? You, you lads get to see a lot of reports. We get to see a lot of reports. I, I, I haven't I haven't seen this one. Uh, there are some uh, whispers around about it. I mean I mean, there are some there appear to be contradictions between what the two sides of the process found. I, I, you know there, there are people I've written about this a couple of times in, in, as the process was underway and certainly there was a vibe that TDs were saying uh, to Kate and her colleagues, you know, we can't let uh, headquarters write the uh, write the manifesto the parliamentary party has to have an input mm-hmm. uh, we can't let focus groups decide the slogan or the content of the manifesto uh, but intriguingly uh, I've heard that that uh, uh, Marion Coy uh, that some of what she came um, among the things she discovered when she was talking to the people who ran the campaign was in fact some of the focus group research to Fine Gael said that you won't win this on the economy alone that people are concerned about health issues about housing and about public services. Did that come across in the Fine Gael campaign? Uh, if, it was, if it was there, it wasn't very visible. Of course, Fine Gael weren't the only party after the election that has to kind of have a, a catharsism as well. How about mm-hmm. Labour? Have you conducted years yet? Oh, we have. Um, we, do, we, do, we do it on a, on, a, on a daily basis, really. Well, you have a um, new leader for starters. <laughs> this, this is it. Um, and I suppose that process is, is, is ongoing. It's funny when you think back to the election. I mean, we actually needed, I think, Fine Gael to do better, for us to do better, because we went in thinking that we wanted to re-elect the government. And what happened in 2011, we were telling people, look, Fine Gael are really scary, and uh, you don't want them there in, the, in by themselves, and we needed us in there with them. And then when, when Fine Gael weren't doing so well in the election, the reason to vote Labour wasn't maybe as obvious. But are you conducting a kind of the first oh, we have done. Of yeah, we've, we've, we've done a, we've done a report. Done. Yeah, a report has been done. And, and, uh, and What's, what did it find? Well, some of the. Some of the see, there's a balance to be struck between the campaign itself. And, and the period in government. So, you know, part of... Some people, we, we had lost regards of what kind of a campaign we're going to have. Um, so I think one of the problems was re-elected government. Just, the stats just weren't stacking up over the course of the campaign, so, so that didn't ring true for people. We, put, we lost some people in government. Um, that maybe that, that election result was coming no matter what happened with two years with two years out. You know, I feel we were on the back foot from day one. I think a lot of successes that Labour had in government weren't as obvious. Uh, some of them were, I mean, <laughs> like marriage equality, you know, it's very hard to get a, a Labour minister face even associated with that after a while because um, some Finnegan ministers were very enthusiastic about it at the end of the day rather than from the beginning of the process. But... Um, I think, to try and be fair about it, I think the USC uh, move from Fine Gael was a complete overreach. And when people were talking about housing and, and social infrastructure and social services to say you're going to abolish a, a four billion windfall a, a year was, was an overreach and just didn't really uh, hit home as well as I think Fine Gael were hoping. But um, we're getting back to business now, I suppose. Um, parties are, are, are looking as, as where they're going to position themselves. And at the end of September, we're back in the Euroctus, yeah. hopefully doing some at work. At this meeting tomorrow, will the leadership issue be discussed next two days? And 
It's not on, the, ag- it's not on the agenda, but um, whether well, it is on the agenda. <laughs> we discussed her now. On a lot of agendas. I don't know. To be honest, we were back on Wednesday and nobody was talking about it. Maybe people have gotten worn out talking about it. I don't think he's going until he's ready to go, so I think everyone's <laughs> over it. I think you are, and he is hoping that people are worn out. We're going to leave it at that point. Thanks to Kate O'Connell, Fane Gale, TD representing Dublin Bay South, uh, Labour Senator Ayon O'Reardon, former Junior Minister, last government, and Stephen O'Brien, from political editor of the Sunday Times.